0: Welcome to Klet's Heads, the podcast about bilingual children. My name is Sharon Onsworth, linguist at Radboud University in Nijmegen, the Netherlands, a mother of two bilingual children. Here we go. It's the very last episode of Klet's Heads. In this extra long episode, three parents who were previously guests on the podcast come back to tell us About how their family's bilingual journey has gone since then. I look back over the past three years, reflect on the future, and as Cherry on the Klet's Heads cake, we finish with a poem written about bilingual children and dedicated to bilingual children and inspired by the podcast. Keep listening to find out more. When I started the English edition of Klet's Heads back in 2020, I don't think I imagined that I'd still be going strong three years later. But the feedback I've received over the years and still receive now has made it very clear to me that the podcast fulfills a need. I'm very proud that Klet's Heads has been such a success, but all good things must come to an end. And after more than 50 episodes in Dutch and 35 in English, I've decided it's time to call it a day. Why? Well, making the podcast takes a lot of time, time which I now want to spend on other projects. And to be honest, I think that after so many episodes, we've more or less covered the most important topics. I've learned a lot whilst making Heads, from research topics I wasn't very familiar with to learning how to edit audio files, build a website and conduct interviews, There's a lot that goes into making a podcast, and I think that's one of the reasons why I've enjoyed it so much. It's been a great way to release my creative energy. But I think what I've enjoyed most over the past three years are the conversations I've had with fellow researchers, with parents, teachers, all kinds of other professionals working with bilingual children and bilingualism, and of course, the bilingual children themselves. And so for this episode, I have three new conversations for you. You'll hear three new interviews, but my interviewees are not new. They are three parents of young children who were already guests on the podcast, either as part of Let's Klets or as a Kletzhead of the Week earlier on in previous seasons. And they've been kind enough to drop by again to talk about how things are going now. We start in Canada with Liz. I first spoke to Liz in episode four of the first season of Clet's Heads. Liz is originally from the Netherlands and now lives in Ontario in Canada with her Egyptian husband and their four-year-old son, Otis. When I spoke to Liz for the first time, Otis was just 18 months
1: old this was the situation back then so he hears Dutch mainly from me before the pandemic we had a neighbour who uh, who was Dutch and she would sometimes babysit him I remember now and uh, so he would see her too but uh, otherwise he hears mainly uh, English from my husband my husband uh, he is Egyptian and he grew up with both Arabic and and English as a child, and he has decided, uh, to my discontent, to speak English to to our son. Um, but sometimes he hears some Arabic words as well. And when he speaks with his grandparents over FaceTime, he he hears some uh, Arabic through that as well. Uh, and the environment he lives in, uh, Ontario, is uh, is mainly. Uh, English so everyone around him speaks English and uh, at home my husband and I speak English too so yeah it's very English with me as a strong Dutch component for him.
0: Yeah you live in the English speaking part of Canada how do the people around you react
1: to the fact that you're raising your child bilingually? I think most people are very positive Uh, sometimes they just stand and look and listen but um Ontario has a large population of people from Dutch descent. So a lot of people uh, recognize the language. Uh Most people are from second or third generation. And you notice as well that back in the days when people emigrated, they were uh, more pushed towards speaking the language of the country instead of maintaining their heritage language. So most of these people understand some words, but don't really speak it. So they're very positive hearing that Otis um, speaks it. It's kind of nostalgia there. What do you think is the biggest challenge then for you as the parent who speaks the minority language? Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge is to for Otis to continue speaking to me in Dutch, even when he realizes that. I understand English and that English may be easier for him through schooling and, and his environment. I, I can imagine
0: there are parents who are listening to this who, just like you, have got a, got a young child or maybe are about to start the, their journey with a, a child that they want to raise
1: bilingually. Do you have a tip for those parents? I would say to speak the language that comes most naturally to you. Um, sometimes I hear uh, someone say, "Oh yeah, I lived in, in Spanish for in, in Spain for two years. Maybe I, I should speak Spanish to my children." But I think unless you really uh, you really feel the language, you you know how to express any everything in that language, you express your emotions. It, it may not come uh, as natural. So I would always speak the language that comes uh, most natural and. In the beginning, I was a little bit afraid that I, I would be excluding my partner in conversations I had mm-hmm. with my son because he didn't speak Dutch. So another tip would be to just try because I noticed that my husband picks up a lot of Dutch from me speaking to him. So it's it's positive, not only for my child, but also for him and for us as a family. So yeah, because just give it a try.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip because I think a lot of people do really worry about that, right? When they don't, they know that their partner doesn't understand their language or they're worried about what family conversations will look like. So, so far in your house, so good.
2: Yeah, it's been great.
0: All right, Liz, it is so nice to see you again. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, well, it's been three years since we spoke and I'm curious to know, well, whether anything's changed. I'm sure things have changed. Thanks. But uh in particular, of course, about the languages that you and uh, Ahmed, your husband, use when you're speaking to Otis. So when we spoke back in 2020, you were speaking Dutch and your husband was speaking English with a bit of Arabic coming from the grandparents. Mm-hmm. What's the situation like now, now that Otis is four?
2: Yeah. So what's similar is that we still use the same languages. Um, but his dominance has definitely shifted more towards English. When we spoke, when he was about one years old, um, I had just a part-time job. And um, so he was home with me two or three days during the week. And now I have a full-time job. And so now he's in daycare five days a week. So he's definitely... Yeah, more English. Yeah, but still his his Dutch has developed so much more in in his understanding um, Arabic is it was it was never fully uh, existent sometimes when i ask him hey otis who who's who's the person who says always hey isa yeah bibi you know which means something like hey how are you my love and then he knows that's Teta, that's his Egyptian grammar uh, but other than that he uh, he doesn't really speak any or understand any Arabic but his Dutch understanding
0: Okay so with so Arabic is a few words and he said Dutch is understanding uh, a lot more and how's it going does he speak Dutch much or is he really speaks English to you and uh, you speak Dutch to him a situation i think many bilingual parents will recognize across the world
2: Yeah that's mostly the case it's me speaking in Dutch and he replying in English i think also because it's English and he knows everyone understands him like even my family he doesn't have a, like much of an incentive to actually <laughs> speak. Uh, yeah. But if I were to ask him a question like, "Hey Otis, uh, will you binnen of buiten eten? Do you want to eat inside or outside?" He would say, "Binnen eten." Or, "Do you want worteltjes? Uh, will you worteltjes of komkommertjes in your lunch? Where right? you want carrots or, or or cucumbers?" He would say, um, "I want worteltjes." You know, he would use these words spontaneously yeah. only. Like, there's a couple of words that he only knows in Dutch, like wendeltafels, <laughs> like French toast. Oh yeah, and uh, aanrecht. <laughs> so he would tell me, "Mum, I put it on the aanrecht," like that, was the countertop. For some reason, I don't think his dad ever used that word or something. <laughs> and you don't really learn that outside of out of the house. So yeah, these are <clears throat> these are some words that he only uses in Dutch, but. Next week we're going to the Netherlands and he'll see his cousin for the second time. Last time when he saw her, she was only 16 months. So not verbal. She's oh, yeah. almost three. So I'm curious if he is going to make more of an effort because she's basically the only one who doesn't understand when he speaks English. So maybe I'll, I'll let you know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Let us know because that's, it's such a shame. Actually we're doing the recording now and not afterwards. Uh, because I'd be curious to know whether he does then spontaneously sp- start speaking Dutch, and I guess um, you know we've also had the small matter of a pandemic, which I can imagine has also made things a bit harder for you and the distance, of course, being in Canada to get back to to see family who speak Dutch exactly in the, so, yeah. in the Netherlands. We
2: hadn't been for two and a half years, so yeah, he hadn't had any any other exposure to to Dutch. There's one other family here in the neighborhood. Um, their dad is Dutch and their mom is French Canadian. So he knows that other people speak Dutch too. And it's very, this is a, a dad, right? Someone with a male voice. And the other day we were listening to something on Spotify in, uh, in Dutch and it was a male voice of someone of a similar age. And Otis was like, is that Oscar's dad? And uh, I'm like, Oh, he's making this association with another person speaking Dutch that is a male voice.
0: Yeah, and how's uh, how's Ahmed's Dutch?
2: Also pretty decent, but Otis's is much better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Phew. Yeah, so you know, there's like this age effect. Uh, kids, uh, kids are picking up uh, more more quickly, and and he and, and Otis has to translate um, for for Ahmed a lot, but in context he does understand. And there's some words that the whole family uses only in Dutch, like kindje. I've never heard him say child. Or, you know, I sometimes hear him say things like, Otis, you were very leaf today. Um, (laughs) And, yes, you know, he's he's picking up, he's understanding quite well. And so how is it for
0: you then? Because you have, you know, English all around you, you're the only person speaking Dutch to Otis. Mm-hmm. And quite frankly, you must have to have a lot of willpower and put a lot of energy into being able to speak Dutch to him when you know, I can imagine in certain circumstances, it might just be easier to speak English. How how do you experience that?
2: Um, yes, that's definitely true. Sometimes, Sometimes I have a hard time finding the right words. Um, so, but, but yeah, I'm very conscious about this, that I need to give him as much input as possible. So like all books that we have Dutch books, but we have many more English books because we, we get regularly new books from the library. And I, I am like on the spot in bed, like translating them sentence for sentence. And sometimes that, that is indeed tricky. And there was a time when I just started to get be interested in disney movies and so I put them in dutch and he would tell me i don't understand i don't want to watch it and so i really consciously sat down with him and talked about basically made it like you know dutch is your netherlands is your superpower and you know something you know it's like you know does this child speak netherlands does this child speak netherlands you know and like no this is like your superpower And if you listen more, and you 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 know you you try to speak more, then you only get better at it, right? And it really helped. And now he asks, "Can I watch Frozen Netherlands?" Right? He wants to watch that movie in 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 Dutch. So, yeah, I think maybe for some parents, when child when a child starts to reject wanting to speak that non dominant language, maybe they'll be like, "Yeah, screw it, we're gonna we're gonna switch to what's easier." but I'm happy that I that I um, kind of persisted and that he sees it as a positive thing. Um, yeah. So, yeah, something else that has changed in his language input is that since three weeks ago, he started French immersion in school. Ah. Yeah. And I think the reason why we put him in there is because we started to see that he was actually very interested in different languages and language systems. So when he would hear someone else speak another language, he was like what is that you know mama like he's like the other day with, with that same with those same friends the mom uh, was speaking French and later he asks me oh what um why does you know this person say uh and I said oh you know what that actually sounds like the French number for one and then he asked me can you teach me how to count so then he learned to count to fr- in French and now it's always like, if we make a grocery list, he asks, "Can we write it in Dutch? Can we write it in in French? Can we write it?" So he, I think, this initial exposure to multiple languages made him more aware of of other languages yeah. and therefore also interested. Um, yeah. So he doesn't understand much French yeah. yet, but he's in French immersion. He will do soon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 But I love that um, tip of telling your child that their other languages is their superpower. I know that there will be many parents thinking that oh that's a good idea I'm gonna try it so that's good we can spread the superpowers across the across the globe um are you happy with your family's bilingual journey so far?
2: yeah I think I think it's helps them also like identify more as Dutch. Of course, I would like it if he were to reply to me, but I I'm also aware that it's not not realistic for most kids, given the fact that he is exposed to so much English. Right? If my spouse were to speak Dutch, it would be easier. Or even if my spouse were to speak a different language and he wouldn't be so dominant in in English, it would be easier. But yeah, I, I i I think I'm I'm happy with with how it is now. And and the the translation that he does is also like it's like it's just hilarious, um, you know. And I think it's just a cute element in the house. And if he wants to, if he wants to be more productive in his in his Dutch, if he wants to speak it more, then at least he has a good basis about in vocabulary and understanding. And,
0: yeah, yeah, and I'm sure you know. I you know I don't know what you, whether you maybe heard of that I once interviewed a uh, actually a neighbour of mine who is um, in in the same situation, but actually for her, her English is her language. She's American. She lives in, well, obviously in the Netherlands because she lives across the world from me. Um, And her partner speaks Dutch to the kids, and the kids are super dominant in Dutch um, in the sense that they always speak Dutch to her, but. She's gone to the states, I think, uh, a couple of times in the summer for like three weeks, and they come back, and the kids are speaking English. And when they're there, they're speaking, they start speaking English, and she's just like, "Whoa, you know, I, I didn't even know they've never spoken to me in English before in five years, and 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 they can still do it." And I think that's testament to you know the pers- her persistence and despite it being probably easier for her to switch to Dutch in her case because she speaks Dutch super well um, you know, it's testimony to a persistence on thinking, you know, I'm going to carry on speaking English because as you said, it's a great basis for which children can develop when the occasion arises that they have to speak that language in question. So what do you hope the future holds then for Otis and his bilingualism, or multilingualism, we should say, actually, given that he's going to French immersion.
2: I hope it helps him learn other languages in the future as well. Or if he ever wants to study in the Netherlands, then that definitely makes things easier for him too. Um, right? It gives him the right uh, basis because he already has this interest um, in in languages. And who knows, you know, maybe he will he will speak to me in in Dutch. But you know, it's like. If you are Dutch and you go to America, for example, the kids, um, the people there don't understand Dutch, right? So the kids are forced to then speak English. But in his case, people always understand him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, sometimes I, like, I pretend that I didn't understand, and then Otis goes, but mama, you do speak English sometimes, sometimes, he said. And he's very weird, like, also in the evenings when he's in bed and he wants me to scare, like to, to um, you know, send away the scary dreams um, and like the animals in the room. And then I say, ga weg, enge dromen, ga weg, dieren. And then he says, my Ma mama, they don't understand Netherlands. You have to say it in English, right? <laughs> <laughs> he, 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 he knows exactly who speaks what. And I think, you know, that awareness is already great. And maybe in the future, he'll, he'll use more, but I'll definitely update you after next week what he did with his cousin.
0: Good. Excellent. I look forward to it. So, to wrap up, then, um, have you got any other tips for parents who are maybe like you, the one person providing input in a certain language, quite a long way from, from uh, family and friends who speak that language? You've already given us the super. The superpower tip, which I think is a, a really great tip. Have you got any other tips you want to share with parents in similar situation?
2: Um, I mean the super the superpower tip is the is the big one for sure. But some something else I do is I encourage my family members when they come to speak to him in Dutch. They tend to try to want to reply in English because he speaks English yeah something that i do like this is the only opportunity for another source of input so please you know speak um speak in dutch and yeah just uh, yeah just keep on it's not you're not losing anything right so just keep on keep on talking even though you feel like they'll never talk back in that language they they may they may yeah
0: yeah and he understands what you say to him right so yeah he's bilingual everything yeah for sure yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for sharing the tips and for coming on and telling us how things have gone over the past three years. And uh, I'm looking forward to the update in a couple of weeks to see how it went with uh, with his cousin. Yeah, sounds
2: good. I'll let you know for sure.
0: I heard back from Liz last week after her trip back to the Netherlands, and she told me that Otis had understood the conversations around him without any problems. He had started using more and more Dutch words, though he hadn't yet produced many complex sentences. Still, after just one week being immersed in a Dutch-speaking environment, that's not bad. I hope that this gives Liz and many of you listening hope that even when your child rarely speaks your language, they're still busy learning the language, or as Liz explained to her son, working on their superpower. We'll hear shortly from our second guest of the episode, Mary Lane, but first, I thought it would be nice to share some statistics with you about the podcast. I regularly get asked how many people listen. Here are some figures for you. There are in total 35 episodes of the podcast available in English. And these have been listened to or downloaded over 31,000 times. When we add the 50 plus episodes in Dutch into the mix, this number rises to almost 110,000. Currently, so that's October 2023, the English edition gets on average 45 listens per day. And across all episodes, we see that three out of four listeners Keep listening until at least 75% of the episode. That's great news. And what's also great is that the podcast is listened to all over the world. The majority of listeners come from the Netherlands, the US, the UK and Germany. But in total, there are 116 countries where the podcast has ever been listened to or downloaded from Australia to Poland, from Singapore to Saudi Arabia. The most popular episodes have been listened to around 2,000 times, and these are mainly the episodes from the first season, so the episodes that have been available for the longest. And these are also episodes that deal with topics that many parents and professionals have questions about, such as planning for a bilingual child, identifying when a bilingual child has a language impairment, and raising a child trilingually. Of course the reach of a podcast cannot be expressed in numbers alone. Klet's Heads has won a national award for science communication in linguistics, received positive reviews on Apple podcasts and other platforms including a YouTube multilingual parenting channel and in the Dutch national newspaper Trouw. All very nice, of course, but for me, the biggest token of appreciation comes from the reactions from you, the listeners, for which I thank you. It's always nice to hear when the content of the podcast has managed to help in one way or another. A few quotes from listeners can be found on the website. Back in the second episode of the podcast's first season, we spoke to Marjolaine. Myline wasn't raised bilingually herself but she really wanted her child and now children to grow up bilingually. Myline studied English and has worked as an English teacher for many years so when she became a mother in 2018 the decision to sometimes speak English to her son Owen was a natural one. Here's what she told me when we spoke to each other back then. What made you decide to speak English to your child? Well, I'm an
3: English teacher and um, I I love English, of course, uh, but I've also studied a bit of linguistics at university. And I'm very aware that the earlier you start learning a language
0: or acquiring a language, the more likely you are to become pretty good at it so you you wanted to like uh, give them the chance to be become bilingual even though they're not necessarily growing up in a say naturally bilingual context exactly yeah. yeah and i
3: think um primary schools do teach english more and more but i think it's not nearly enough i think the attention um paid to english starts too late at secondary school so i'm worried um well, I, I know from teaching at secondary schools how hard it is for some to um, reach a, a, an appropriate level of English. So yeah. I wanted to be ahead of the game.
0: Yeah. And so uh, tell us about your your child. How, how old is he? he? Well, his name is Owen
3: and he's going to turn two in November of this year. So he's uh, one year and a bit over 10 months at the moment. And, and uh, he's a little chatterbox. <laughs> so and a chatterbox in english uh in dutch or in both in both actually for some uh for some objects and animals he only knows the english word because well i'm at home with him uh two days a week by myself those yeah. are the days that i speak english with him yeah. um and we read lots of books and we sing songs so then well he, he only hears the english names for certain animals
0: yeah so, what's your approach then? So, did I understand correctly that you speak English on certain days, or or yeah. do you speak English with him, or how? No, I speak English with that. him when we're alone together.
3: So, yeah. as soon as his dad comes home, we switch to Dutch, um, because well, his dad's level of English is a bit lower, so uh, it's not bad by any means. But um, yeah, we just switch to Dutch then. Um, yeah. and sometimes when I get a little embarrassed when we're alone but we go out and there's other people around I may switch to Dutch as well just to avoid people uh staring at us uh, but sometimes I, I just don't mind so today we went to the playground and I'll speak English to him even when people pass by
0: so how how have people reacted to that in your environment about you making the decision to speak English to him some of the time
3: most people are pretty supportive and they think it's quite cool and brave. Um, And I think most people understand why I do it. And I think many of them wished they could. Yeah. What do you think the future looks like for him then? So I guess what I'm worried about is that I'm doing more harm than good uh, in the long run, because, well, you just can't tell. And I'm, I'm often a bit worried about not being a native speaker myself. I know I'm quite proficient, but I do make occasional mistakes that a native speaker might not make. So... I mean, I believe in what I'm doing. That's why I'm doing it. So I'm very hopeful that in the end he will benefit from speaking Mm -hmm. English with me. But there is this tiny part of me that worries that maybe he will fall behind because of what I'm doing. Or, yeah, maybe I'm I'm teaching him the wrong things. But I guess only time will tell. What what piece of advice would you give to other parents wanting to do the same? I think as long as you feel confident doing it, most of the time then you should i consider it a gift to my child uh, the gift of being able to speak another language in mm-hmm. the future i plan to uh, to travel with my son uh, because my husband doesn't like to travel and i love traveling so i plan to travel and then i think what better gift can i give him than for him to be able to communicate with the people he meets uh, from different cultures and different countries Um, And I guess if you speak a second language that family members speak, maybe that's the only language they speak, then what better gift can you give your children than to be able to communicate with their family members?
0: I caught up with Marlene a couple of weeks ago in my office in Nijmegen. You'll hear some noises in the background. They're from my colleagues in the office next door. How are you and how have you been since we
3: last spoke? I'm fine, thanks. Yeah. I'm now a mother of two, so last time we spoke just about my eldest, Owen, and uh, now I have a two-and-a-half-year-old, James, running around. So, how's that? Oh, it's lovely. They're two completely different children, so it's wonderful. And uh, they really like each other for some reason. So, uh, yeah, no sibling rivalry at home or anything. Yeah. So wonderful. Well, fingers crossed. Yes, so that... well, they're only two and four, yeah. so... Who knows what's to
0: come? No, but anyway, good start. Yes. So when we spoke back in 2020, you were speaking English to your firstborn. What's the situation now? You still speaking English when you are alone with the children? Or has the tactic changed? Tell me It's a bit more complicated now because back then
3: it was just me and him two days a week. So that was uh, quite easy. And uh, then COVID came around. There were lockdowns. My husband was home all the time. And um, so then we always had this, I don't know, un- unspoken rule that I would speak Dutch when he was around. Yeah. Um, so during the lockdowns, Dutch was becoming the home language. Yeah. And um, after that, my husband wasn't well. He had to stay home from work for well over a year, I think. Mm-hmm. A bit under a year, maybe. But um, yeah, so then we spoke more and more Dutch. And then the second baby came. And I was busier, and it takes up lots more energy to not speak your native language. Yeah. So I've been slacking a bit, but I can tell that Owen really understands me because whenever I do speak English, he, I don't have to explain anything. I don't have to repeat anything. He just understands automatically. He just yeah. replies in Dutch. Yeah. Um, but with James, it's a different story. I just he started speaking later too, so I was mm-hmm. a bit um, worried that he wasn't. Well, he didn't understand what I was saying when I was speaking English. Um, so now I try just short sentences, easy bits, but it's not as automatic as with Owen. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but he's he speaks now, so I'm a bit more daring now to uh to attempt it and to pick up where I left off. But it's two and a half now. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but it can be a bit worrying, can't yeah. it, if your child doesn't say something uh and And when you're raising them bilingually and you worry that maybe that's got something yeah. to do with it, but I think what we often forget, and you know I'm not blaming you in any way, but I think what we often forget is there's so much variation between children, even when they're learning just one language, you know yep. so you know, I same with getting teeth, yes. right you know the one yeah. first I' guess the first tooth and nine uh with the uh, three months, my daughter had a first tooth. And a cousin who's a day later, a day younger, nine, nine and a half months before she had a first well, tooth. Yeah. It's the same with first words. Very as different. Well. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well, I think I have to be a bit more confident in James's abilities because whenever I do say a short sentence to him, very often he will understand, even yeah. though I'm not expecting him to. Yeah. And um, maybe that's because, well, I have been speaking a bit of English. We've been reading English books. Mm and whenever i when whenever i do allow screen time it's always in english too mm-hmm. so he's had lots of input from that yeah. as well
0: yeah yeah and how about owen then how, um how's his english
3: it's mm-hmm. it's really good he doesn't speak it um on his own accord he j- does throw about throw around the uh, odd sentence here and there um but he understands everything and uh whenever i try to ask him do you know what that is in english he'll he'll know it he just won't volunteer it yeah um so that's fine i'm really not worried i'm i'm worried that he's not going to get a challenge in school whenever they do english yeah um so that's a new worry but um i'm quite pleased with uh, his understanding his comprehension
0: yeah. yeah yeah so i had that as well with my kids cuz obviously they could speak english but um we uh, first, we start. We spoke about them getting extra work to do in English lessons, or maybe even doing a different language. You know, say with a I don't know with an app or something. Instead, in the end, we just let them do English and let that be one thing that they thought, oh, I can do this," mm-hmm. and um, and that was okay. Well, I think it depends on the kind of kid you have. Yeah, and the, and teacher. the
3: program doesn't it? because yeah. the primary school he's in currently. Um, I just went to this, I don't know, informative evening there and uh, they showed us uh, the program, the English program for nine year olds. And the vocab list was mother, father, oh. sister, brother. <laughs> I was like, OK, so this is what he's going to be offered when he's nine, when he's even more proficient than he's now. And he's known these words ever since he was one. So, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried about that. And I asked them questions about whether there was any, I don't know. Uh, anything on offer for kids that were a bit further ahead. And they said, well, not really, but maybe then he doesn't have to do it and we can offer him other things, just not other English things. So yeah. that's a shame, but I guess, well, they well, don't really have to, do they? He's an exception.
0: Yeah. What are, what, are, what are you worried about?
3: Well, I'm worried that he's going to be bored. And, uh Yeah, it's not nice to have to do something different from what the other kids in class are doing, is it? Yeah. So whenever the rest of the group is doing English and he's set apart and I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm probably far too worried about it now. But
0: yeah, you're going to stand out, aren't you? Yeah, maybe. Uh, Or, you you know, stand out can also be in a good way as well. Yeah.
3: And I can't imagine other nine-year-olds not knowing those
0: particular words. I was going to say, I can't imagine looking at the nine-year-olds that I know that that's the level of vocabulary that they're going to need.
3: Maybe this was just the very first lesson to build some confidence. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, but when we spoke, um, uh, what, two, three years ago, you said you were worried that you might be doing Owen more harm than good and that only time will tell. Yeah, that's clearly a long time to formative. go. Yeah. I know there's a long way to go still. But how do you feel
3: about that now? Yeah, I have to recall why I said that probably because I'm not a native speaker uh, and also, well, because maybe he wouldn't learn certain Dutch words soon enough and others would have that vocabulary in place and mm-hmm. he was still learning. But uh, his vocabulary is very big, uh, both in Dutch and in English
0: so um yeah again i was too worried <laughs> <laughs> so we need to have another even though the podcast is stopping we should have a definitely check back in in a few years and see what happens when he starts doing english at primary school yes
3: yeah. in secondary school and whether or not he's thankful for being brought up this way or whether he doesn't even notice and think he thinks it's normal I don't yeah. know. It would be interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. So he started school now, primary school. Yes. How has that gone? Oh, it's it's fine.
3: He started last year, in November, when he turned four. Um, he has to play a lot at school, of course, at that age. Yeah. But um, he's already he's they they put him in the first year again because the cutoff point is December, yeah. and he was very surprised about that. He was like, "Okay, but after the first year, you go to the second year. So what's going on?" And uh now he's he's come home the other day and he said, Um, I uh, I'm a bit bored. I've played everything that's in the classroom already and I don't wanna play with that all year. I wanna learn something. <laughs> I was like, Oh my goodness, he's an academic already. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so he's definitely uh keen to keen to learn. So keen to learn. And he's very curious about uh, language and maths. He can do, like, simple calculations already and he recognises all the letters of the alphabet. And, uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, but I think he needs to develop his social skills a bit more. So I don't think they'll uh, be very keen on uh, having him progress yeah. any faster than he uh, should according to the programme. So. Yeah. yeah,
0: well, social skills are also important, of course. Very. Um Have the teachers said anything about or have you had a conversation with them about the fact that you sometimes speak English with the children?
3: Well, I put it in his application forms, but the teachers never asked about it. Whenever I met them, it would just be about his performance at the moment and they're not doing English in class yet. And since he doesn't speak English um, when he doesn't have to, then I don't think they've noticed. They have said that he has a very large vocabulary um, so, but that's just based on his Dutch vocabulary, yeah. so that's a relief.
0: Yeah. Um, so that's a good uh, message, at least in your case, that yes, um, speaking English to him some of the time earlier on hasn't affected his Dutch no, vocabulary not in any negative way. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, you also mentioned when we spoke that the people around you were pretty positive about your decision to speak English. Is that still the case? Yes. Um, I think so. People often ask me about it
3: still, whether I still do that, and then yeah. I always have to confess what well, I've been slacking a little bit, but I do try. Um, yes, yeah, so I've never had any negative comments about this.
0: Yeah. And um, have you got any tips for parents in a similar situation who also would like to speak a second language, and it's often English uh, to their child? This is something actually that I've. Regularly get questions about, you know, how do I how do I do that? Yes, uh, it's one of those questions. Have you got any tips as somebody who's done it or
3: is doing it? um Well, yes, it really helped me to pinpoint the the moments where I would do it um, in a safe environment for both me and uh, Owen. Um, it's also helpful to find books that you can read out loud because if i'd only had dutch books then that would have limited probably the the words that i would choose to yeah. use um yeah so that would be a tip and to not be afraid to do it but to be aware that it does take some energy and uh dedication yeah <laughs> i've noticed yeah yes but please don't don't hesitate to try i've i found out that it doesn't hurt
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, good. Well, that's a very positive, uh, positive way to end this particular conversation. Um, thank you very much, Mylane for coming. Thanks in, for having me and, back. Uh, and telling us how things have gone with the bilingual journey in your family. Thank you. And thank you for doing this podcast all these years. Thanks. It's my pleasure. Over the three seasons of Klet's Heads, we've heard from many different people about their experiences with the bilingual children in their lives. From parents like Liz and Mary Elaine, and shortly Christy, to teachers and speech-language therapists, from passionate promoters of heritage language education to bilingualism ambassadors, each with their own story. These real-life experiences have been a valuable addition to the focus of the podcast, which has always been to convey key insights and findings from research in such a way that they can be understood by as many people as possible. More and more research is being conducted on bilingualism in all its facets and there are more and more initiatives around this topic, at least here in the Netherlands, in schools, libraries and here and there in public policy. Although we've still got a long way to go before everyone sees the added value of all forms of bilingualism and the many misunderstandings about bilingual upbringing and bilingualism in education have been cleared up, I think that in 2023 we have enough reason to be cautiously optimistic when it comes to the future of our bilingual children. Though I'm stopping making the podcast, I will of course remain a committed supporter and agitator when it comes to promoting the importance of all forms of bilingualism. What am I going to do then with all that free time now that I'm not making the podcast? Well, I remain first and foremost, of course, a researcher and lecturer, but I will use this extra time to focus on my other big project, Kletzkoppen. Kletzkoppen is the Dutch word for chatterboxes, and it's an initiative from the Rabat University and Max Planck Institute for Psycholinguistics that organises activities about language and science for children from diverse backgrounds. These include festivals in libraries and community centres and lessons in primary schools. If you're based in the Netherlands and you want to know more about this feel free to get in touch. You can do that via LinkedIn, via the Kletzhead's website or just by dropping me an email. It's sharon.unsworth at ru.nl. For the final conversation in today's episode we're back off to Canada. In the same episode as Liz I also spoke to Christy. This was back in 2020. Christy told us then about her own upbringing as a trilingual child in Vienna and about the choices that she now faced as a mother when it came to deciding which language or languages to
4: speak to her child. Here's what she told me back then. I'm Christy. Um, I'm in my mid-thirties, and I currently live in Guelph, Canada. And I grew up speaking German and Spanish, and speak now English, German, and Spanish fluently.
0: So well, you were raised—you were raised uh, bilingually. Where did you learn those two languages,
4: German and Spanish? Sure. So my dad is Austrian and I talk to him in German and to my brother in German as well. And my mother would always talk to us in Spanish basically. And obviously I grew up in Vienna, so we would talk in German to our friends in school. So, yeah. And and
0: how was that growing up bilingually with uh, with Spanish as one of your home languages?
4: It's huh. a good question. It was... Um, interesting it was good but it was also strange because at the time um, Vienna was not very multicultural how did you learn English uh, well I started learning English when I was um, 15 in high school but I had made up my mind that I wanted to do my um, higher education in North America so when I was 18 I I moved to North America so three yeah. three languages Um mm-hmm. How much do you use each of those languages now? That's a really good question because I predominantly use English because it's been such a huge part of my life academically and my relationships are predominantly in English. Um, So that has kind of become my dominant language at this point. And um, I speak to my mom on the phone occasionally, always in Spanish, but it's not like we talk every day for hours And then German has kind of been on the back burner, mostly. Um, uh, My father and I don't have the greatest relationships, so we don't talk very often. My brother and I don't really talk much either. But I had a baby a year ago, and I decided to talk to her in German. So that's kind of like, I'm speaking more German now since I've become a mother, but it's a very basic German (laughs) So I find that really interesting then. So what Mm -hmm. made
0: you choose to speak German rather than say Spanish?
4: Because I went to school in Austria and I feel like I'm just grammatically better equipped to teach you the language. And because Spanish, because it was like my second language, but it never came with the very thorough education that you get when you learn a language in like primary school and high school, like we're all the kind of the foundations are set um since i didn't have that with spanish i decided that um german was the way i had to go and what uh yeah. what other languages does uh she hear well she hears english yeah 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 uh, my husband speaks to her in english and uh, our babysitter mm. speaks to her in english so yeah she's uh turning 15 months yeah she says more german words at this point yeah yeah Yes, so I'm like, yay for me. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how does that make you feel? Then it's, it's strange. It is strange. I hope my German will keep improving as she gets older. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it's kind of like relearning the language again. It's it's really strange because I've spoken English for so long now that I feel like at times German has become very passive. But I found myself kind of like accessing more vocabulary again as she ages so it's kind of weird how memory starts kicking in yeah it's been a while since we
0: spoke yeah like two years we've had a pandemic to deal with <laughs> since then um but apart from that how are you and how have you been since we last spoke i know that you have a, a second child now
4: yes i do i have two children two girls and it's been wild like You know, when I had my first baby, I was like, I need a second one. And then I had my second one. I was like, I'm done.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like that too, actually. But uh, Yeah. Okay. So uh, (laughs) two girls. Yeah. And I'm curious to know whether anything has changed in the languages that you use when speaking to your now children. So in uh, 2020, you Mm -hmm. were speaking German to your firstborn after very thinking about it for a long mm-hmm. time what you wanted
4: to do what's the situation like now well you know i've been thinking about it a lot especially because my mom just spent the summer with me and as i i think i told you on the first podcast that she always speaks to me in spanish and yeah and i always wondered i didn't wonder until now i was assumed that it's easy to be successful if you decide to talk two languages with your children and i found out last year that it wasn't that easy because a lot of things happened in my life. So I had as as I we just talked about I had a second baby and the when the baby she was born very sick so she spent many months in the hospital and um, oh. and then my husband had a bad car accident and my other daughter was in the car accident too and i felt that all these very huge moments in my life had happened and language became so important and I started out of a need to make sure she understood everything I was saying I started to say more things in English and then it kind of took over and um, I still talk to her in German a lot because I really want her to have the privilege of seeing the world through two lenses and having these two um how could I put it um worlds that she can be part of however I found it quite hard once I made the switch out of necessity I thought there was a necessity I really wanted her to understand very important things and because she was so small I felt like this one opportunity to really make this stick um, so I started talking yeah. to her more in English and it kind of crept in more and more and I found myself that it's really hard once you start introducing a more dominant language into the relationship with your future with your mm. to kind of walk back that, 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 that line to just walk it back. So yeah, it's been, it's been interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it sounds tough. Is everybody okay? Yeah, uh, no,
4: everybody's okay. It's-
0: Irrespective of what language they speak <laughs> yeah. is everybody okay? That's the, the bottom line, right? Yeah, now. no,
4: everybody's okay now. It was like a very hard few months. My daughter was born with um, what they call hyperinsulinism, so she had extremely low blood sugars that they couldn't control for two two months in the hospital and then two more months in and out of hospitals. Um, so... And then they had this huge car accident on the highway, which kind of put a whole life on pause and everyone is okay. It's just funny how life sometimes changes the plans you have, you know?
0: Yeah. 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 And you're not the first person uh, to say that actually the other people who are guests on, on this episode have said uh, similar things as well um, for, for, for different reasons. So How's it going? How how do you think it's going then with your eldest daughter's German now? I mean, you said you know, out of necessity, you you switch to English, and and it can be hard indeed to switch back if you if you switch to the majority language. But how do you feel it's going?
4: Well, I try to speak in German and in English. Sometimes English just becomes more dominant in our relationship. I if the good things. I would say are that she still understands everything I say. She wants me, when I read to her book in yeah. German, she's okay with that. And she asked me to read books in German. I try to do it now yeah. more slowly and making sure kind of pointing out what things, like if I say a word that I don't know if she knows it, I will point it out and try to explain it or I'll use English for a moment just to say what the word means in English. The interesting thing is that my mom spent three months with us this summer and she started speaking yeah. to my daughter in Spanish. And right. it was fascinating to see how quickly she started picking up the Spanish and how much uh-huh. fun she was having in it because my mom was constantly showing her music in Spanish. And so this she started suddenly singing these songs in Spanish and she'd never really been spoken Spanish to prior to this year much. And then I realized how quickly she picked it up and how much fun it was. And my mom is in second language. So my mom teaches Spanish. She's been teaching it for what, like 50 years now. And she just gave me really good about good ideas about how to keep it going to always, she says, always have it repeated. And it made such a huge difference in the way she was taking up the Spanish. So I I started doing that more and more. And I do think she's not, refusing to do that so i think that's a good sign
0: what language do you speak to your mom spanish so you t- she so you're having a spanish conversation and i know we spoke about uh in the when you first came on the podcast you know about your decision to choose to speak german rather than spanish with your child so then okay so she's you're speaking spanish to each other your mom's speaking spanish to your daughter you're speaking english and german to your daughter um and yet everybody's communicating with each other yeah and I guess, you know, it sounds like you're having fun, right? I think that's reassuring as well for many parents listening that, you know, sometimes it is like a big multilingual mishmash. Yeah. But that's just the way things work,
4: right? And she was having fun. That was the best part. They know I was having a lot of fun speaking. I think that's friends. crucial. Right? And how yeah. my mom went about it always yeah. kind of funny and always playing music. And it was amazing to see that she was actually speaking more Spanish than German after three months. I was like, hmm, okay. (laughs) And I just think it really takes a village to raise children. And I think the same applies to language. So my mom, she was a Spanish teacher. And she grew up in this kind of very solid Latin American community. Not grew up, but was like living in this solid Latin American community in Vienna because she worked at the Latin American Institute. So all of her friends spoke Spanish. Every time we met people, they spoke Spanish. And I just realized that how important it is and how much easier it is to go follow through with your plan to talk, to kind of resist the urge to speak the dominant language. If you have more people around you, if you really have like a little village around you to keep it up and the occasions to speak it with other with others around you and not be like the outcast in a community where you're like the only one speaking church but you know
0: yeah yeah no I think that's really important right and I think you can look at it from two ways from the okay so it's really important to try and go out and find that that village as it were to the extent that you can right and it's not always possible and on and on the other hand that it's okay to cut yourself some slack that Just because you're the only person, if you're the only person speaking a language with your child, you can't expect that they're instantaneously going to use it and learn it and start using it uh, all the time, right? It's about expectation management as well. Um, I'm really curious now, Christy, so your daughter's experience now learning and playing with Spanish, has that changed any way? how you feel or how you think you're gonna the languages that you're gonna use with it right i mean does it make you more tempted to maybe use spanish with it more than german or
4: no it hasn't i do want to stick to the german because it's the harder language to learn um also because uh just because i want to leave that not, not to say i want to leave it to my mom but i think it's just a better v ve- she's a better vehicle to do that than me Because I do speak Spanish, was my second language growing up, but as probably a lot of people will tell you who grew up bilingually, they have the dominant language and then they have the other language that they're fluent in, but they're not perfect in either, so because I never went to Spanish speaking school. I never learned how to write in Spanish, really. I will write, I will text my mom in Spanish and thank God for autocorrect because my grammar has gotten so much better since I, since the smartphone was invented. Um, but yeah, I just, just because I was schooled in German, I, I trust myself more to do it the right way. Uh-huh. And what about, uh, so we talked about your eldest daughter. What about a daughter number two? how old is she she's a year with 15 months i speak to her in german exclusively right now <laughs> i'm trying it again yeah, yeah. take two
0: <laughs> yeah yeah well you know that that's <laughs> it's not only language but that we try things out take two on uh, with uh, our second child right
4: <laughs> um my one-year-old actually says words in spanish too oh
0: uh, yeah yes <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's funny isn't it to see what they pick up And what about your husband? Does he understand German?
4: No, he doesn't, no.
0: And how does he feel about the kids being raised multilingually?
4: He wants me to keep talking to them in German. He really wants them to have the ability to speak both languages. And, you know, it is just really it is such a privilege to be able to speak two languages. It opens up the world in unexpected and unexpected ways. So to give them this gift, we really do want to give them the gift of a second language.
0: So you, when we spoke though, you said you hoped that, cause you hadn't used your German for very long for oh, very much, right? That you hoped that your German would keep improving as your daughter got older. Now I know do you think, has it, has it come out of hibernation a bit more than what it was? Or despite, you know, all the things that you've just told us about having out of necessity to switch to English, for, but how do you feel about your German?
4: <laughs> That's a good question. Well, like I was 18 when I left Austria. That's a long time ago now. And it it's it's gotten better, I would say a bit better for sure. I'm sure it's it's worthy of a four-year-old, but but probably not worthy of an eight-year-old yet.
0: <laughs> well, you've got four years to go, right? No, that gives me hope too. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think I know what you're going to say the answer yeah. is to this, but I'm going to ask mm-hmm. you the question anyway. What what do you find the most challenging about raising bilingual kids?
4: I think if I'm completely honest, it's not really about speaking the languages. I think it's more how I feel about being a foreigner in a country and speaking a language. Uh-huh. I think it's more a social thing, really, where I feel self-conscious. If I'm at a park and I speak to my kid in German and we're the only ones speaking in German, I think it's this yeah. fear I had growing up, too, about being looked at a weird way or you know like for my whole life it's always like what's your accent like where are you from and it's always been I know people are showing interest but sometimes it's also a way of saying like well you're you're different there's you don't quite fit the bill here and I think it's been more that that the social aspect yeah it's funny that's not what I expected you were gonna say but it's
0: a far more interesting answer um so what could people do now I don't know if there's anybody listening who uh, is not raising a bilingual child um but if there was someone listening or uh, you know maybe there are teachers listening who uh, work with bilingual children and and maybe see things like this going on in the playground what can people do to help parents like you um? feel more comfortable, for example, speaking your language with your child out in public?
4: I don't really know, but I think a key thing is to just seeing it when my own kid learns new things, how much excitement she takes out of me showing excitement and taking joy in what she's doing and showing pride. Um, I think it would be really good if I think about like... uh, maybe a teaching environment or whatnot where these things become more normalized but also normalized in kind of an exciting thing like oh why don't you share with us this is so wonderful like you know it's showing interest excitement and 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 making them feel proud of this thing they have yeah yeah yeah
0: i think that's a i think that's a great tip so that's the most challenging what's the thing that's most exciting to you about raising a bilingual child or children sorry
4: um what's the most exciting part um to hear her sometimes use the language to see her enjoy it at times and to to know that i think it makes her a better person to be honest i think it i think it gives you it it allows you a different degree of empathy at times too because when you speak two languages you know that the world functions in two different registers almost you know it's the same world but it's, there are two different lenses there are two different ways words of ways of connecting it through language because language is so different and you know (laughs) the way I speak yeah yeah, two different yeah the way I speak German is not the way I speak English so in already having this understanding of difference I think it gives you an understanding of difference in the broader spectrum and it 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 increases your ability to feel empathy I truly believe that
0: yeah and there is there is some research along those lines uh, that would back that up not much research on that topic but there is some um so wrapping it up then what do you think what do you what do you hope that the future holds for your bilingual daughters multilingual daughters?
4: <laughs> I hope it 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 holds for them a world in where german exists in some shape or other very nice well Maybe I'll get back in touch. The podcaster uh,
0: won't be around, but maybe I'll get back in touch with you and ask you in a few years, or you'll drop me a line and tell me uh, how things are going. Um, thank you, Christy, for taking the time. Thank you for having me out of the bedlam that is uh, young motherhood and everything else going on in the world. Uh, then um, it's been really nice to hear what you've uh, what you've experienced in your
4: bilingual journey with your family. Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure.
0: <laughs> What's clear from my conversations with Christy, Marilyn, and Liz is that it's important to have realistic expectations about what is or is not feasible given your family's circumstances. Raising a bilingual child doesn't happen automatically and sometimes it can take quite a lot of hard work and effort. Sometimes things happen in life that are simply more important and things that you hadn't expected can turn out to have positive and sometimes less positive consequences. What emerges clearly from all these three conversations is how important it is to talk and keep talking to your child, your partner, the wider family and the people around you. And also how staying positive is key. Bilingual parenting really is a journey. It takes a long time. You don't always know where you're going, where your final destination lies, and it's almost certain that you are going to encounter several twists in the road along the way. But that journey can also be a lot of fun. Along the way, you discover all sorts of things about yourself, about your partner, about the society you live in, and of course, about your child. Enjoy that journey, I'd say, and cherish the superpower you are giving your child as a gift. Dear listeners, we are almost at the end of this last episode, so I'd like to take the opportunity to thank you. Thank you for listening and for your enthusiastic messages and joining me over these past three years. This final season of Klet's Heads was brought to you with funding from Harbelnet, the Harmonious Bilingualism Network. I'd also like to thank Anikta Hauer for this funding. It's been really nice to be able to make the podcast during working hours this year instead of on my day off. Fortunately, the fact that this is the last episode doesn't mean that the podcast will disappear altogether. Not at all. All episodes will remain available on the website and in your podcast app. So if you've only recently discovered Klet's Heads and would like to listen to more episodes from the past three years or share it with friends and family, you can do just that. And nothing stops loyal Clet's fans from enjoying their favourite episodes once again. As I mentioned at the beginning, we're going to end this episode and thus the podcast with a poem. The poem is written and performed by spoken word poet Vika Fink. In her words, a gift to the podcast. And it's a gift that makes me very happy and hopefully you too. If you want to read along, you'll find the text on the Clet's Head's website. The poem takes us on a veritable journey through the podcast and loyal listeners will, I think, recognise many words, topics and conversations from the past three years. It's quite long, about five minutes, so get yourself comfortable, enjoy and thanks for listening.
5: This poem is called Three Words for Squirrel. This poem is for the little ones whose mother tongue is more than one, with words in different flavors on the tip of your tongue or flowing out of your fingertips. This is for the children for whom the crossroads of thoughts in your head could be spread out into at least two different languages with womb-held babies bathing in sound, following the rhythmic patterns that are with them all around, emerging out into the world a holder of knowledge. Growing up, You already know how to be gentle with yourself and with others, how to wobble on the table of conventions, how to take it slow when a word doesn't immediately come to mind, when in search for the right... (laughs) the new ones that you might know from the flow of past conversations not yet fully interpreted but held onto brightly in the library of your mind, your shelves full of boxes with vocab and grammar to seek somewhere between the Malayalam, French and Finnish, there will be a great find. This is for you as you felt how language is part of connection for all our neurodiverse minds. Language as a connector for all things funny and wise, silly and kind. Dear multilingual child. You might not be able to speak it all. You might not be able to read it all, yet you are able to hold it all in a map of the world that's unique to you and the communities that you belong to. Your cultures sometimes resonating in the tones of your skin, the rhythms of your sentences, the sounds of your name. You know language is part of identity, yet your schools may be so monolingual or full of variety with the need for heritage language education and intercultural communication within and across our different nations with all these languages holding the world in their embrace and a dialect in every corner and when seasons seem out of order you are asked to brace both our physical and our cultural landscapes as three seasons of a podcast dropped from the northern hemisphere covering all things bilingual, its difficulties Its grace and its flair, listened to long after the last episode went on air with stories from children and researchers, parents, educators, and practitioners. So much to share. For, as all small and adult translators know, switching between contexts is more than just finding the right words to connect, it's being receptive to the realms of resonance as the edges of each soundscape weren't different worlds of understanding. For we, some and worlds with our words, words for the moments that make life worth sharing, words to express our concerns and our caring and. Sometimes when words are not what's needed, there is gestures and the willingness to sit together and listen to the whispers of the evening sun with multilingualism looking different for everyone. Some being asked to sit down and study some grammar, others being showered with word clouds in a more day-to-day manner and seeking it out in comics and fairy tales and everyday sounds with All of us, when we are young, holding an innate understanding of universality and you were born open to the idea that one thing has multiple meanings. As you know, there are at least three words for squirrel, perspective-taking, a skill tangled up in your linguistical landscapes, in the sounds of your childhood, the letters of your alphabets, in what is shared when you are happy or sad. And language control lets rock and roll in twee, Arabic, and Espanol for its hard work being bilingual, with word recognition, false friends, and learning to read, brains building lyrical notes with lightning speed as heritage languages need attention and input and words with less clues might leave us clueless yet diversity of resources is positively correlated to language richness picking the fruits of hard labour some of the peaches that taste so sweet to be able to communicate with grandparents and peers and the fun of having a secret language to speak for you know there is magic in words beyond the words on the page when the name of your language is itself a palindrome bringing up worlds of jokes with friends and parental aspirations and if poetry is about making connections then multilingualism is creating the spark that brings new things together Creativity being part and partial of the bilingual mind, the paintbrush that creates beauty in multiple styles and a triangulation of techniques, when words stick together in new compositions, when Elsa from Frozen gets crowned in Italian, and joy might be written differently in different scripts, but it's unstoppable when it bubbles up high towards her cheeks, bubbling out, so to speak, in that deep physicality of belly laughter. So. Dear multilingual children, hold on to the songs of your linguistical mosaic, each piece fitting together as you are navigating its currents and gradations. No thing ever as one-dimensional as its written representation, never as plain on the page as it might seem. For you, dear child, have multiple languages in which to dream. If you want to know more about Clet's
0: Heads, go to our website at cletsheadspodcast.org. That's where you'll also find more information about this episode. If you want to make sure you don't miss an episode, subscribe to Clet's Heads using your favourite podcast app. If you know someone else who might enjoy the podcast, then I'd really appreciate it if you would share it with them. You can do this via the website or in your podcast app. And if you're on social media, we'd love it if you followed us. Our handle is at Kletzheads. Thanks for listening and until the next time, or as we say in Dutch, tot de volgende keer.